0: To Totalis Rankium this week, round IV.
1: Hello and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalis Rankium, coming to you from the City of Culture, Coventry, 2021. <laughs> yes, we... We are. I'm Jamie.
2: Actually, I say we are. I don't live in common this because on you. To get off my coattails. Yeah. I'm Jamie. <laughs> and I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And this is round IV. We're also looking at Image of face show this week. Oh, sexiest emperor. Yes. But we should probably explain for those listeners not in the UK what you were just talking about.
1: Yeah. So uh, you get a couple of cities that try and bid to be the city of culture. So they have a lot of things that happen there. And they voted on Coventry.
2: Is, is it actually an official thing that you're yeah. only allowed to put your name forward if you're a bit of a I, rubbish I, I city? Don't. Because none of the good <laughs> I, ones I, I ever know. put their name forward.
1: I, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like Sunderland, Stoke-on-Trent, Coventry and a few others. Swansea, I think. It might have be been Swansea. Named Swansea. after Sven
2: Forkbeard, one of our Viking ah. kings, is ah. Swansea.
1: And Coventry, named after no one quite knows.
2: They no. think it might be Copher's Tree. Yeah, possibly. Linked to... Um, fee, I believe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the, what they do do is they, they sort
1: of see all the culture and all the things happening in the country, and I think we played our part in that.
2: I think so. I think we tipped it over the edge. I think so. It was a toss-up between this and Swansea. It's like, oh, what podcasts does Swansea have? Yeah, oh, none. Well, yeah, ranking nuns, it didn't work very no. well. It's slightly offensive. Yeah.
1: Lovely wimple. <laughs> Frames the face perfectly.
2: Anyway, we have digressed, and we haven't even begun. Have we even pressed record? Yes, we have. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's do this. Let's look into Facious first. Sound guy, hit it. Imajovacious. First of all, let's deal with the elephant in the room here. We say Facious. What did they look like in, as an emperor? But let's face it. We yeah. We're just ranking them on, on their looks. Yeah. Yeah. We just boil it right down to <laughs> pure... How do they make us feel inside? Do <laughs> yeah. they make us feel safe? <laughs> <laughs> Is an emperor you want to hug? Yeah. <laughs> nice strong arms around you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Carrikella. <laughs> let go, Carrikella. Let go, let go, let go! <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> As I'm somewhat flippantly saying, very subjective around this. Yeah, yeah. I think we never really defined what it was we were looking for. How so interesting do they look? I yeah, guess. I think so. They stand out. Yeah, definitely. So, out of the dynasties, which ones do you think we judge to be the best looking slash fitting the story?
1: I would guess the ones with the like the. M- M- the Maximus Dyer ones with the crazy eyes and the way he
2: looked. The Tetrarchic Wars. Yeah. Oh, you're thinking
1: them? Um, no, no. I doubt it's the first. Well, I, we probably gave it a lot to the first few because we were new at it and we didn't and we couldn't compare. so I would go back and change a lot of their
2: scores. I think. Oh, would you? Well, actually, the Tetrarchic Wars beat the Julio Claudians. so you're right there. Um, but oh, oh Severan Dynasty. Severan Dynasty gets the same as the Tetrarchic Wars, but not in the top three. I'll just do the top three, shall I? In third place, always doing strong, is the Flavian Dynasty. Of course, yeah. Cool hair. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's mainly the women with the crazy hair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In fact, I'm not sure why, because I've seen those busts since, but I'm really not sure why the Flavians have scored so highly here. But I think it's because none of them got really low points, and there's only three of them. In second place is the Nerva Antonine Dynasty. Okay. Which uh, makes a lot of sense. That's when the beards came in. and we were very excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ten points. <laughs> and apparently, the ones that look most impressive were the Year of the Four Emperors. I
1: get yeah, they, they stood out a bit. Otho looked uh, not Otho. Galba looked exactly like he should have done. Yeah. Titius yeah. looked exactly but, like he should have done.
2: I mean, there's four of them, and they all looked very distinctive, didn't they? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, you could imagine them in like a matching but different coloured leotards Ooh. to do some kind of abstract dance to represent the Year of the Four Emperors and they'd Amazing. really stand out because they look different. Yeah, and all the background would
1: yeah. are wearing just like greys and stuff and they you know got like a red and a yellow a yeah. blue. Maybe we
2: should move this to the stage. Oh, that'd be great. Let's forget the podcast scene. Yeah,
1: Interruptive Dance
2: it is. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Right, okay, so, well done, you of the four emperors. Apparently you impressed us the most. The Theodosian dynasty were the worst, apparently. Really? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) But that's when it's mostly dodgy coins. That's true. Yeah, which doesn't help. Ant-Man, though. Well, that is why the fall of the West didn't come last. (laughs) Because they got bonus points for Ant-Man, because that's when Ant-Man started (laughs) to come in. Right, the bottom five, though. Here we go. Who Who do we think were the most plain, boring emperors? These five emperors all scored... Zero points. Oh, wow. So,
1: so generic or just
2: dull. Roughly the same as the UK scores every year in the Eurovision Song Contest. Okay, yeah. Nearly poor. So, we need to decide which ones were the worst-looking of those five emperors. And they are Quintilus, mm-hmm. Augustulus, mm-hmm. Arcadius, mm-hmm. Valentinian II, and... I've only put four and I've only just realized there's only four who got zero, apparently okay. not five. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'd edit that out, but I can't be bothered. Right. So um, yeah, so it's bottom four. So Quintillus Augustus, Arcadius and Valentinian two, I've put them all together here and I realise having a round solely based on looks on a podcast is a bit silly, but we'll put this up on Facebook. Yeah. And we'll just use our descriptive skills to, to yeah. let the images fly through the air to our listeners. We'll 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 paint the images with our voices. Yes, that's what we do. Uh, well two are coins and two
1: are busts. <laughs> yeah. Good start. Do you know Arcadius looks quite he stands out quite a bit actually. He
2: He's does. quite distinctive, isn't he? He's very distinctive. Big, Big eyes like a fish. Big eyes, thin face. Gil. He yeah, fish like is actually quite accurate. Hmm. He's n- not inspiring confidence though. I see why we gave him zero. Very almost like a weak jaw. He's very young. How old was he? He was very young, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, no, he lasted a long time. He started young and mm. then he ended up sort of middle age. He looks like the kind of person says, well, actually, and correct yeah, everything that you say. Maybe he was. He's the
1: kind of person who says, oh, can you go to the shop and get some vegetables? Yeah. And you say, oh, yes, what would you like? Oh, Arcadius, okay, yes. can I get some um, potatoes? Yes. Um, carrots? Yes, that's fine. Um, peppers, chilies, and tomatoes. Excuse me? Well, actually, those last three things are fruits because a vegetable is the stem.
2: At uh, <sighs> that point, you just punch him in the yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Here <laughs> we have Valentinian too. Wow. Yeah. Because
1: uh, unfortunately, because of his broken-off nose, looks a bit piggish.
2: Yeah, it's not a great bust, and I think we were inspired by his story of how rubbish he was. Yeah, but also yeah. It, it, it's very obvious. But it's
1: a different head on a different
2: body. <laughs> yeah, it's not been put together very well, has it? Like that's super long neck. I'm not entirely sure that's a neck. It looks more like a pillar, <laughs> just the head is resting on. So that's Valentinian II. And then we've got coins. We've got Augustulus, and that's a bat coin. I see why we gave him that. Yeah. There's no ant man. It's just a really rubbish coin. Yeah. But this one's interesting. Here we have Quintilus. Ooh, it's got a beard and everything. Why did we give him nothing? It's a point just for the beard. I know. I think we were far too harsh on Quintilus here. Yeah. I'd definitely give him a point or two because that's not a bad strong, coin. Yeah, strong jaw. But I know why it was. It's because he'd had literally no points up to this point and we couldn't bring ourselves to give him a point because he was so useless. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so that's why I got, none. It's entirely biased on yeah. us. <laughs> so... On that, I'm going to knock him off. I'm not going to say he's the worst. No. Well, I don't mean, say not he's the worst. The, I'd, say he's I'd say he's the, the best worst. out of these. Yeah, so he's yeah. number. So he's oh, fourth. There's only <laughs> four, <I> remember? <laughs> so then we've got Augustus, Valentinian II, and Arcadius. I
1: think Augustulus needs to
2: come last. It's just so pathetic. So you're also going to say Augustus is the worst. Yeah. Okay, so he's the worst. I'm going to say Arcadius is worse than Valentinian II. Really? Yeah. It's funnier, I guess, <laughs> it looks so haphazardly done. Yeah. Okay, yeah,
1: I'll go with that. So, Vowel Two is second best, and
2: Arcadius, second worst. Yeah. There we go. Mm. But I know what you're thinking. Who's the top five? You were thinking that, weren't you? Uh, kind, you were. kind of. You were kind of thinking that. Kind well, thinking. we have a choice to make, because the fifth place is drawn between three contenders then we have a definite second place and a definite first place. Okay. So we know who's won, we know who's second, we just need to decide who gets bronze, and that is between Augustus, Commodus, and Antoninus Pius. And I can see why, because these are three good busts here. Hmm. So we have Augustus in his very classic pose. It's very early pose as well. Yeah. And then we've got Commodus <sighs> with his club and wearing the lion head. <laughs> And then you got Pius and then I mean Pius has such a good post. Yeah. I, I still think of Pius when I, I hear Hadrian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know I know what you mean. In fact all of the Bracing good up. emperors I think of Pius's bearded face and a smile
1: and stuff. Yeah. However, I, I have my favourite for many reasons.
2: Well, I think it's fairly obvious who this is going to be, isn't it? Mm. Only one of them has a club with nails in. Yeah, yeah, and a lion head <laughs> on his own head. It's just impressive, isn't so, it? Commodus, you're number five. No, no, he will be number three if you want him higher.
1: Okay. Oh, put him in order, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, sorry.
2: yeah, yeah. So Commodus is number three. I'm going to put Pius ahead of Augustus. I would. Yeah. yeah. So Pius, your fourth. Augustus, you come in fifth. So now we have our second place to be revealed. Who do you think it is? It's.
1: Look, I remember giving top marks for a few, or maybe one. I think Caracalla's got to be in there. Scary face.
2: Yeah, that's not who's number two, though. No, I'm trying to think who stood out. Was this one, like Gal- Was this one quite easy, like Galba, who fit it perfectly? Or- um, sort of. It's not Galba, though. It is Maximian. Oh, oh yes! I forgot about him. Oh, he, oh, Diocletian's yeah. buddy with his massive, massive face <laughs> and his massive beard. That is impressive. He's just—he's—he's he's a large man. He is. And He's got like one eye quite highly above yeah. the other eye. He's the closest to Brian Blessed we're gonna get. I think. Henry VIII, recent Henry VIII. Oh, know? actually, yeah. No, I'm seeing Henry VIII as well. Yeah. So there you go, he came in second, so I've done him. Oh, I forgot about him, yeah. Yeah, and of course you did predict our first place. Our first place is, of course, Carrikell. But I've done a little treat for you. Oh, <gasps> yay! And again, we'll put these up on Facebook, because this doesn't work right on a podcast. But I have got a selection of Caracella. a
1: Oh!
2: There's more than one? You're probably just used to seeing the one we saw in London's everywhere. But, oh yes, there's more than one. First of all, we've got three from his youth. Really? So here we go. I'm going to cover that one up. These are child Caracalla. See? See, so the first one... Yeah. Village of the Damned. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> um, the second one, almost a bit angelic. Yeah. I'm not entirely convinced it's not the same. Oh, no, it's, is it a different one? Might no,
1: I think be... it's different because he's got a cleft in that chin. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, it is different. They no, look quite character. similar, but you're right, that yeah. first one... Even hair as well. I mean, obviously, it's going to give you a dead stare because it's a statue, but... <laughs> <laughs> You, you get the feeling this statue's really trying at it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there you go. So that, that's him as a youth. You imagine him gliding rather than walking down the corridors. Oh. When you turn around, he's just there.
1: Don't hear him coming. Papa said it's time for my food. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Yeah, that kind of thing. You don't
2: like us, do you? <laughs> There's what? only one of you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that. Right, now the next one, I'm going to put him in his late teens, early 20s. Now, if you remember, this is when Caracalla punches the Praetorian Prefect in yeah. the middle of the meeting and yeah. then has him killed. So he probably would have looked at like this at this point.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's horrifying. He yeah. looks like a thug.
2: He, he certainly has a, uh, a certain look about him, doesn't he? Oh, he does. He does. The hair's much shorter in this one. The beard is more stubble. The nose looks broken, but not like statue broken. The nose (laughs) looks like it's actually been broken. You probably broke it yourself to make it look more scary.
1: Yeah. He's got the frown going on. The frown is
2: already there. Look how deep that frown is. Looks like it's carved in marble. (laughs) Yes, it does. And then, of course, we have the ones that you recognize, but maybe slightly different. Yeah. We have a bronze one. Ooh. Yeah. Which he looks very angry in. Then we've mm. got, I think that's the classic one we usually see, but it's been lit very well to make him look dark oh, yeah. and moody or more dark and moody than he usually and a is. sexy glance over his shoulder. Yeah. And then, oh, he does like, is, this, is it smoldering? Is that smoldering. the word? Smoldering. Smoldering, yeah. It's not, well, I don't know what smoldering is. <laughs> it's a country, isn't it? But yeah. And that last one, I think this might be the oldest. Either that was just poorly done. He seems to have filled out a bit in this one, but the frown's still certainly there. Oh, He's to... concentrating. I like to think this one is a representation of him <laughs> on the loo right at the end. Yeah. While well, squatting he... in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. That's how he went. Wow. Yeah, so there you go. That's character I have,
1: I have seen one that's with uh, a painted representation of him as well. It was interesting.
2: Oh, yeah. 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 It's got very black hair. Oh, I, yes. No, I saw
1: that one. Yes. Because when I picture it, yeah, when I picture all of them, I always imagine it was slightly lighter brown hair for some reason. don't know why, but, you know.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. It's hard to tell. I mean, he's got... Grey and gold hair in these ones. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we'll put those up on Facebook yeah. if you want to see what we were talking about, but we should probably move on. Round ID! Okay, not the best round according to points, this one. Okay. It's not as bad as round two, which was appalling, but it's the second yeah. worst round according to our average score. They only score an average of 37.64.
1: So none. Oh, so I'm guessing there might be one or two in the
2: 40s, but. Oh, yes, well, we've got our. Leader of the pack, which is Diocletian, <laughs> on an impressive 48.73, that put him third overall. So he's going through. <laughs> then we have his Caesar, Galerius,
0: mm. picked
2: with him alongside. He got 34.75, which makes him the second highest ranking in this round. Then we have Constantius III, came from nowhere. Mm. But here he is with Gené César, 22nd overall, and he scored 34.08. And then finally, we have Majorian, our lowest scorer in this round with a score of 33 dead-on, and he came 24th overall. Okay. So those are our contenders. Any early thoughts?
1: I think Diopiou has to go through after what he did. And Majorian. Is that just
2: because he's so damn good-looking? I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. See if he flicks his hair in our direction. We will see. Let's start with Diocletian. So, first up, founder of the Tetrarchy, ender of the crisis. There's some points here, right there. Yeah, right there. You've got that going. Born around the twenty-second of December in two four (gasps) four. It's it's... nice birthday, soon. Yeah, it is his birthday Three soon. Weeks. Just in time for Christmas. Must have been nice for them. I don't think they celebrated Christmas. Oh, I did. I did. They invited rounds, but got him a really bad present, and that's where it all began. Oh, yeah. Because he got socks. Ooh. I don't mind socks. Or well, when
1: they pulled the cracker with Diocletian, Diocletian held more of the cracker. Oh. oh those people.
2: One oh, of those. And he got the hat and yeah. the little, little plastic comb. Do you know what? This is a complete tangent. But I'm going to tell you anyway because it's still it still rankles. <laughs> I was I was about seven and okay. I was pulling a cracker with a relative who will go unnamed, but he was an adult relative and we pulled the cracker. Yeah. And he won and out came the little plastic jumping frog because they were oh, yeah. the most depressing crackers in the world. Yeah. But they should be. That's what they're meant to do. <laughs> I wanted to play with the little jumping frog, mm. and he said. That he won, so it was his. I was seven. Oh. I was seven, man. Oh. I'm so sorry. This is what happened to Galerius, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a bit calmer, so I just bring it up in podcasts years, years <laughs> later, as he decided he was going to kill all the Christians. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're jumping ahead, we're not doing Galerius yet. This is Diocletian, and he's been born in modern-day Croatia. His name's Diocles, and we don't know anything else about him. He springs from nowhere. However, we speculate he entered the army, he rose through the ranks, and in 282, Carus puts him in charge of the elite cavalry force that guarded the emperors. Diocles goes east with Carus, taking part of the sack of Tessaphon, and then Carus gets hit by lightning. <laughs> or did he? Because remember, we had that whole murder mystery episode oh, yeah, yeah. of what happened to Carus yes. and then his son Numerian. Yeah. And one of the options was that Diocletian killed both of them. it's nice lightning. Yeah, it was definitely lightning. Yeah. But I still like the idea of Diocletian killing both of them. Yeah, it's quite a nice. Dark with lightning. Oh, <laughs> Make... I call upon Jupiter himself. <laughs> it's not working. We'll put the toaster in the bath then. <laughs> Yeah. No, plugged it off. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's in the east. Carus is dead. Numerian's put in charge. The army slowly start making their way back towards Rome. And then, in late two eight four, the soldiers start to smell Numerian. <laughs> That's never a good thing. <laughs> Can you smell something? Check the date on the litter. Has it gone off? <laughs> it had indeed gone off. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the curtains aside. It's just a worm party. Ugh. Yeah. Not good. Diocles immediately, if you remember this, realised that Aper clearly had killed the Emperor. So he drew his sword, and I quote here, pointed to Aper, the prefect of the guard, and drove the sword right through him, saying, as he did so, it is he who contrived Numerian's death. How did he know? Well, he didn't. Did he? Well, I know, yeah, well, did he? Do you think or any- did he? I don't don't know, but if you want to know, listen to that episode, because we discussed this in detail. I honestly can't remember what we decided happened in the end. Um, I'm going to say Diocletian did it all. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Good. (laughs) That was that sorted. (laughs) So Diocletian has the East under his control, but there is actually a legitimate emperor in Rome. You remember, Carus had two sons, Numerian and Carinus.
1: Oh, yeah, No yeah.
2: Carinus. Yeah, so Carinus is still around. He's in Britain at the moment. So he's got to come back, fight Diocletian, winner takes all. The battle's going in Carinus' favour until his troops suddenly seem unfocused. Alcohol. <laughs> Alcohol and the news that Carinus's Praetorian prefect had betrayed him and killed him. Oh. So that's going to make you lose focus when you're fighting your battle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... Diocletian wins, he is now the emperor, which is nice. Yeah. He then rebuilds the Senate building that burnt down, and that's the Senate building that you can go and see today, Yay! which is nice. That's about all he ever did do for the Senate in Rome, <laughs> because they hated him. He didn't go to Rome at all until much, much later, and no one liked that. What he does do, though, is he looks around him and realises the empire is a mess. Mm. Crisis has been going on for quite some time now. It's taken its toll. So he decides the empire needs not one, but two emperors. And this man was the biggest of the bearded of men. Oh. His name was Maximian, and apparently an incredibly good general. Yes. Which Being... we didn't really see in his episode.
1: Yeah. I, I imagine the boring shouty thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's just what it was. So Maximian sets off to settle Gaul, and Diocletian slowly heads back east to sort out the east. By the end of 285, he's still in the Danube region. Sarmatians, who have come across the Danube, demand that Diocletian let them settle and then defend them from the Vandals and the Goths. Diocletian does not take well to demands, Hmm. so he immediately attacks the Sarmatians. Okay. (laughs) You must protect... Oh, what are you doing? He quickly defeats the Sarmatians. However, he then does resettle them within the Empire, but under his conditions, not theirs. He's not going to be dictated to. No. By this point, Roger turns up with a letter. Hello, sir. News. Maximian has settled Gaul and rid the channel of pirates. Yarr, we be pirates. Oh, you're killing us. <laughs> they said in unison.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was a fun day. Down to Jave, David, David, down, down to
1: date. <laughs> Da- down. Going down. Down, down. <laughs> to David Jones's locker. And I've gone Irish all of a sudden.
0: No idea why. Sorry if I've offended anyone. I can see why Max
2: managed to win.
1: <laughs> I don't know where you're from.
2: Yar, I'm Irish. <laughs> Somerset in Ireland. <laughs> Somerset in the Irish Sea. Who knows what's going on with those pirates? <laughs> it's a good job they were put down. Anyway, Diocletian's pleased with that. He declares victory has been had in that region, which is good. Yeah. He then spends the following couple of years dealing with the Persians, who, after the invasion by Carus, were willing to talk peace. They were on the on the ropes. The Sassanids would relinquish their claim on Mesopotamia and Armenia. Huge diplomatic win for Diocletian here, Mm. another tick in the box for him. However, Roger turns up again at this point and tells him that that previous letter was far too hasty. Maximin has now lost Britain, possibly to those confused pirates. Yeah, you thought we were confused, but we weren't. that's where the accents came from. Yeah. It all makes sense. There you go. Yes, it does. So Diocletian reorganizes the area of Syria. He makes it safe enough for him to be absent for a while and then heads to Gaul to demand what on earth was going on. Once there, he took out the Animani, not on a date. Oh, I would love that. That would have been nice. Or 7,000 of them. (laughs) Crowded around one table. <laughs> With a little candle in the middle. Little... Yeah.
1: Don't breathe too hard, you're blowing it.
2: And then he announces his tetrarchic plan. I <laughs> just looked a bit confused. You're what? <laughs> he and Maximian were emperors, but so were Constantius and Galerius. They were the new improved Caesars. Instead of heirs, they were now co emperors, but less so.
1: Okay. Yeah. Deputy emperors. Yeah. yeah. Demperors.
2: is how he described it he left maximian and constantius to sort out britain and then heads back east and he decided to finally sort the danube out once and for all after all it's been a mess for so long (laughs) yeah so let's sort this out tribes were pushed out they were resettled smaller tribes were dealt with kindly with the hope of using them as a buffer against the larger nations of the goths and the vandals and this works remarkably well the Danube has not had it so good for quite some time. That's good. In 294 to 296, they built lots of forts all along the Danube. Mm. So I remember doing this episode, and this is the first time we had seen in months of recording where they were actually being proactive in the Danube rather than just reactive to events.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and that, that's sort of how you need to be. You've got to, well, they're probably going to attack again. Let's build some forts. Yeah. Rather than just sanding down, you know, Jeff with three others. Yeah, three of his friends, which of course he doesn't
2: have friends, so no. it was just Jeff and yeah. a, a cardboard ca- cutout
1: and a cactus
2: and a cow. He was having his sea week that week. <laughs> Jeff likes his weeks. He does. He does. <laughs> Next week, my friends, will be dog, <laughs> dandelion, and Denethor from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so these new forts were a huge improvement. Things were starting to look a bit better. Then Diocletian goes back to his new home, Nicomedia. That was his new capital. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where he's set up in the East. News then comes through that Constantius had taken Britain. Oh, it's back in the Empire, Wild well and Conscientious. Any good feeling was short lived, however, because Narsus, king of kings in Persia, <laughs> had finally given up on being peaceful and invaded Armenia, while at the same time a bubbling Egypt finally revolted, and the governor there declared himself emperor. Oh so leaving Galerius to, th- to deal with Narsus, Diocletian goes down to Alexandria to fight the rebels. Diocletian took the timing of this rebellion to mean that they were in league with the Persians, and he was not happy about that at all. This is just Star Wars now, isn't it? The evil empire coming
1: to defeat the rebels.
2: Well, you could see it like that, especially if you were in Alexandria, because they lose, and Diocletian goes in and orders that everyone be slain until the blood rises to the knees of his horse. Ooh. Yeah. Now, you might remember this story when I add what happens next.
1: Oh, and he says, well, actually, I've changed my mind.
2: No, no, no. Oh, no. no. His horse then kneels. So, uh, his knees on the floor, and it's all okay. And the Alexandrians build a statue of the horse to say thank you, horsey. He then learns that Galerius has failed against the Persians. Soon afterwards, Galerius is off again, this time through Armenia. Roger comes back. And much a... better news this time. Galerius completely victorious, which we'll talk about in a moment when we cover him. So, now they've defeated the Persians, they have a massive advantage. Diocletian is able to negotiate with Narcissus. Persia once again gives up control of Armenia, and lots of other things that we don't have time to get into. But this is a tick in the win column for Rome. Mm. And this is probably when they get the, the stuffed Valerian back. Oh, yay. Yeah. Diocletian then goes back to Egypt just to check how they were. They were all fine. It is <laughs> good. <it's> good. <laughs> all looking slightly nervous. <laughs> all working suspiciously hard, in fact. <laughs> and on the way home, Diocletian and Galerius meet up in Antioch to discuss affairs of state. Diocletian had grown to seriously mistrust the organised religion of Christianity Ooh. and its ability to undermine the careful planning that he had put in place. They kept doing things like not listening to his orders. It was frustrating him. Mm. So he states that all Christians should be removed from official office. Any more of them doing that would just lead to more bloodshed, so he leaves it there. So that's clever. Galerius, on the other hand, has more extreme views and states that all Christians must die. Okay. He's still thinking of that Christmas cracker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Ruin everything.
2: So apparently everyone had to die for everyone to be safe. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> if we're all dead, no one can hurt each other. <laughs> Diocletian is unsure, so si- seeks out advisors. They were also undecisive. Yeah, should we do this? No, no, not So then Diocletian turns to the priests. You'll be shocked to learn that the priests were more than happy to lay blame on this rapidly rising cult. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so the priests and the soothsayers... All report back that the gods were not happy, not happy at all, with these Christian folk. Diocletian should probably kill them all. Okay. In early 303, the army took a newly built church that sat upon the highest hill in Nicomedia and burnt it to the ground. Aww. This kicks it all off. An edict was then passed declaring that all churches be pulled down, Bibles burnt, etc. Within a couple of m- months, Diocletian's palace had been set alight twice due to the Christian kickback. It all surprises me, but I think I'm just worked it out in my head.
1: Like when you go to Rome, you see all these old buildings; they're all brick, yeah. stone. Yeah. How does that fire to them? But they obviously would have had wood inside, and they would have had an inside wooden structure for the roof and stuff. So, so I, I didn't really need to say that.
2: Plus, they used flammable stones back then.
1: Yes. Yeah. So if they built everything out of uh, asbestos, it would have been fine. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, you know those little like firelighter briquettes, you get. <laughs> yeah, they used to use those. So it just did not work very well. I'm just like this candle. Kind of, no! <laughs> Put it down! <laughs> This is literally a tinderbox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine the fumes as well. It's quite a strong smelling, isn't it? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why no one minded so much for a while. <laughs> Here they are. yeah. Yeah. Galerius leaves the city at this point, which is very brave of him, I think, considering mm. he kicked all of this off. Yeah, he did. He's worried about the Christians getting a bit angry with him, so he runs away. Mm. Yeah. Tensions rise and things obviously escalate. A series of edicts were released that stripped back the rights of the Christians. Mm. During all of this fun that was going on, Diocletian <laughs> decides that it's finally time to pay Rome a visit. Rome, realising this is their chance to show off to the emperor, put on the biggest celebrations in living memory. Yay! If you remember, it backfires massively. Yeah. This Diocletian is used to a certain attitude of deference, and the Romans just... Yeah, grabby, grabby. Just love partying. Yeah. Yeah, so... uh doesn't work too well. Diocletian leaves early. He's <laughs> meant to stay there for quite a while, and one night he just goes, oh, I'm going, I can't be doing with this. I'm going to bed. Yes. we give this wonderful allotment book I want to get into. Yeah, I'm really going to read up on these cabbages. So he heads back home, but very soon he becomes very ill. He ordered that he be carried back in a litter, back to Nicomedia, so he can die at home. Oh. Yes, it takes over a year to get back at the pace they are going, because he is too old to move most of the time.
1: Well, he has been carried?
2: <laughs> no, come on, Diocletian. In the meantime, Galerius runs things, which is nice. The edicts become more severe, to the point <laughs> that Christians were imprisoned and tortured if they did not renounce their faith. Okay. When Diocletian gets back home, he slips into a coma. Oh. Like a warm blanket. <laughs> And the news is put out that he is indeed dead. Oh, Galerius was sent for. And then the news is hastily put out that Diocletian's still actually alive. Please ignore that last letter. Yeah. It's, it's not true. We got that wrong. He's alive. Put a bit of glass in his nose. No, he's still breathing. <laughs> Quick. Diocletian gets up, dusts himself off a bit. <sighs> <laughs>
1: that
2: was one hell of a hangover. <laughs> Once we go another, guys. He asks Galerius how things had gone whilst he was ill. Not, not good. Not good. Galerius represented the hardline faction in the Diocletian administration, and it turned out, apparently, right, yeah, if you push really hard at people, the people you're pushing start pushing back. Oh, dear. And uh, both sides were forced to become more and more extreme. you oh dear. Yes, this is turning into quite a bloody affair. Now, we're not sure... The certain what Diocletian's reaction to this, but we do know that the persecutions of Christians lessened somewhat after this time. So we do get the impression that Galerius was the main power behind right. the anti-Christian movement. Diocletian then does the unthinkable. He wow. retires. <gasps> after 20 years, he decides to abdicate. Wow. Not only that, so, much to Maximian's surprise, what Maximian? Uh, wait, well, whoa, whoa, what? What? Galerius and Constantius would be elevated to Augustus and the new Caesars would be put into place. Diocletian then heads off to grow his cabbages. That's oh. where it would be lovely to say the end. <laughs> and that is where we said the end in his episode. Yeah. Uh, but we're, obviously he lived on, so what did he do next? Well, he watches from a distance as all his plans for the Tetrarchy steadily fall apart. At one point, he came out of retirement to remind Maximian that he was definitely retired. He puts Constantine the Great in his place. No, you will be a Caesar, not an Augustus. And he supports the promotion of Licinius, Once oh. Severus II had died. Yeah. He quickly comes out of retirement to announce all that, but mainly he stays out of politics. <laughs> Apart from all that big stuff. It's interesting, though, because he has, you know, political power at that time. He, he sort of does. He's he's so
1: respected.
2: Yes. But okay, it's, okay, we'll see what you say. Sir. It's interesting how quickly he loses that, though. Mm. He's respected by Maximian and Galerius, yeah, yeah. and they're in charge. They had power at that time. Because what happens next is that Galerius dies. Diocletian's daughter, who was married to Galerius, was then treated very badly by Dyer, if you remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a bit mad. Dyer makes the moves on her within moments of Galerius's death. And she's not happy about it, so he's not happy, mm. and exiles her. Yes. And her mother. They're stripped of everything, forced out of the province that they were in. Diocletian writes to Dyer at this point, attempting to sort things out, but by removing himself from power, he had removed himself from power. Yeah. Because Galerius was dead and Maximian was dead by this point. And now he realises he's got no power. He's completely ignored. It is assumed that after seeing all come to nothing, he commits suicide. Oh. So that's Diocletian. He made countless reforms, he reshaped the empire, he stopped the crisis. One sentence summary for him, he won a civil war, put down all of Rome's external threats, reshaped the internal system of economics and politics to make them actually work again, and applied the shock paddles to the dead empire to make it live. Did quite well? He really, really did do quite well. Fightius Maximus, 16. Improbium Crazium 7. Successus Ultimus, 4 marks, 20. Mm. Imagio Facius, 3.25. Tempo Completo, a ra- nice round, 20 years. Giving nice. him 2.5. Total score, 48.75. Third place. Well deserved. Very respectable. Mm. Well done, Diocletian. But is it enough to go through? Yes, of course it is. But the next one. <laughs> 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 We've got a few not very nice, but still interesting emperors, and Galerius is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's remind ourselves why he got Genesis there. Uh. He was born in Serdica in around 260. As per usual, he joins the army. He rises through the ranks under Aurelian.
1: Okay. Yeah. A
2: bit. Yeah. Diocletian takes over and makes Maximian co-emperor, and... Galerius has clearly risen in the ranks enough by this point because he's given a province of Illyria to rule and, more importantly, marries Diocletian's daughter at this point. That's a good way in. He's in in the family. He spends his time fighting along the Danube until Diocletian promotes him to command all of the Eastern Legions. He's very much second to command Diocletian at this point. He then goes to Egypt and puts down some minor revolts there. So that's quite impressive. Mm. And this takes us up to the formation of the Tetrarchy, Galerius was to sort out the Persians. Remember, Constantius's job was to sort out Britain. Galerius has sought out the Persians. I have to say, I think Galerius got the shortest straw there. I think so. I will start this little thing over here. You set out (laughs) all that (laughs) and the desert. You see, that mighty empire, the only thing that comes close to equal the might of Rome itself. Sort that out, would you? You've got a week. (laughs) Still, he's determined to do it. In around 296, Diocletian and Galerius hear the Persians have made their first move. They retook the lands lost to Armenia after Diocletian's last invasion. They heard that Narcissus was starting to move south into Roman-held Mesopotamia. Diocletian tells Galerius that this is your chance. Go off. Deal with the threat. Yes. Steely look in Galerius's yeah. face as he strides out the tent. Ooh. Yeah. He didn't do too well, though. All right. One of those things where he strode out, turned right. You wait a few seconds and he sort of hurries left because he went the (laughs) wrong way to begin with and you know it's not going to go out from that point on. Yeah, It appears Galerius was forced to retreat from the first battle they had but manages to do so with order, so it wasn't a complete rout. He saves most of his troops but he does not win. Due to it being the height of summer, water supplies are low. He's forced to head back home with his tail between his legs. Should
1: have taken bigger turtles. They used to that's how they used to transport water. Oh. Boats they used to get the giant Galapagos tortoise and make them drink. Yeah, you know, like, they've got like a second stomach that holds fresh
2: water. Oh, right. Mm. That's that's interesting. Mm. I don't know if the Romans did that. Oh, they definitely did. Soon after they discovered the Galapagos Islands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Diocletian was not happy. I quote Eutropius here. He met him on the road with extreme haughtiness. He is said to have run by his chariot for several miles in his scarlet robes. So that's all that's uh, Galerius is forced to run beside Diocletian's chariot down oh. the road in his scarlet robes. Nice to say, You failed me, Galerius. He just kept saying that again and again. Yeah, <laughs> you failed. However, as I said in the episode, this probably didn't happen. It doesn't sound likely, no contemporary source mentions it. Uh, it's just a nice little story that got passed down. Despite this defeat, the battle does seem to have slowed down the Persian advance. Narses is unable to push into the Roman territory as much as he wants, and falls far short of being able to take Antioch, which is possibly what he was intending. However, one of his other more subtle plans was paying off, because for a while Narses has been promoting the religion of Mani.
1: Oh, that sounds familiar.
2: This is a religion that was becoming very popular in the area, it was a very organised religion. Mm. It was very similar to Christianity in that respect and it was hugely popular in Egypt. Narses was able to infiltrate Alexandria this way and use this religion to start the revolt, the revolt that started there, or at least this is Diocletian's theory and this is why he was not very happy with the Alexandrians. It's also why he starts to distrust organised religions. So Diocletian is forced to go down south as we mentioned, but this time we'll follow Galerius. He pulls troops off the Danube and goes for round two with Narcissus. This time, he's got 25,000 men. And learning from his last mistake, Galerius stays clear of large plains, so he cannot be overrun by the superior cavalry. This time, he goes north through the Armenian mountains and sets up an ambush. Narcissus was just about to escape, but in the rush, he was unable to pack up his treasury or his family. He has to leave everything behind. Diocletian and Galerius meet in Nisibis In 299, much merriment was had. Booze. Booze. Lots of booze. Eventually, envoys arrive and talk peace, asking that the Romans be magnanimous. If you remember, this is where Galerius loses it. Mm-hmm. And he jumps to his feet and starts shouting questions about how magnanimous Charpent was when he captured Valentinian. Look, he's, here he stands now, hands held out. Look how sad he looks. Hang on, let me adjust the, the mouth and the eyes. Yes, see? Sad, he looks. (laughs) Sloppy taxidermy work. Yeah, it really was. (laughs) Everything's a bit loose (laughs) Diocletian manages to calm his Caesar down. The talks end well in the end. Peace is had for 40 years. Very successful peace talks. Galerius then heads off to the Danube to make sure that that region stays secure. So they've already built all their forts at this point, but let's let's keep a lid on it, shall we? He spends the next few years fighting there, doing really rather well. Galerius, in the last year or so of this campaign, starts to call his forces of the Christian troops. The Christians apparently were not taking their oaths to protect the emperor, because the oath stated that the emperor was divine. Uh-huh. Galerius simply saw this as treason, so started to dismiss all the Christians. And that's where it all begins. Because Galerius then sets off to meet Diocletian, who's returning from checking up on the Egyptians. And this is when he starts pushing hard for the persecutions. By this point, he's decided he hates all Christians. As we've just discussed, Diocletian is persuaded, and sources describe racks, pincers, burning, flaying. This is nasty stuff. This goes on for a year. Christians have a very bad time of it, and obviously nothing is achieved. Diocletian becomes ill and was close to death, as we talked about. And Galerius starts to think about life after Diocletian. In particular, he saw that his rival Constantius had a son ready to become Caesar, Constantine the Great. Mm -hmm. But he had nothing. So he starts making moves to appoint two of his men as Caesars. Shortly afterwards, Galerius used Diocletian being ill as a chance to issue a fourth edict. This edict made Christianity completely illegal. Oh dear. Everyone had to prove that they were not a Christian. Um, pinky swear?
1: (laughs) Pinky promise? Do a subtle test. Do you like, her? OK, here is a cross or a knife. Which one to you do
2: you like the look of the most? It's a clever test. It's a very clever test. Or you could just play a game of North Crosses. <laughs> and just let, See, we, let them choose. <laughs> Norts and, yeah. and Crosses? What, say? Norts and Crosses? Go to the shops. Norts and Crosses! Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Who do you want to be? Uh, uh, crosses? Kill him. <laughs> it went like that. Yes, yeah, That's, that's, that's yeah. probably better than Jeff's way. Yeah, definitely. Right, okay. So they did that for a while. You'll be shocked to learn that this achieves absolutely nothing whatsoever, apart, apart from angry making people. lots of people very angry, very miserable, or very dead. Mm. Public opinion was starting to turn firmly against Galerius.
1: So I think you, you said at the time, it's sort of like, you know, eventually you start picking on people for long enough and torturing them. People are going feel sorry for them.
2: Yeah, it just, it just doesn't work. Yeah, the, the Christians are a minority, so therefore they have to deal with all the rubbish that minorities have to deal with. Yeah. But when the state starts to actively persecuting the most sensible and sane people go, no, this isn't right. It's not right. So public opinion does start to turn. Diocletian also then recovers and realises that everything's very messy. So the persecutions ease off a little bit. However, then Diocletian announces that he's retiring. We don't know how it's done, but Galerius had managed to persuade Diocletian that he got to choose both the Caesars, Severus II and Dio, his friend and his nephew. So Galerius is now in a very strong position because he controls three seats around the square yeah. table. I assume, and I had a square table. And then, in rubbish timing, Constantius dies, which should be great news, because that's his rival. Mm-hmm. But Constantine the Great declares himself emperor, and then so does Maxentius, leading Maximian to join in. Suddenly everything's falling apart again. Furious, Galerius ordered Severus to take Rome back off Maxentius. To Galerius' horror, however, he learned that Maximian had thrown his weight behind his son, and this means that the troops that Severus was now leading into Italy were the same troops that had been serving under Maximian, for 20 years. Ooh. There was no way they were going to fight Maximian, no. and sure enough, they don't. News soon comes through that Severus had lost the army to Maxentius. Oh so even more furious, Galerius himself raises some troops and heads west. Maximian outmanoeuvres Galerius, reducing his supply lines and generally frustrating him. Galerius gets within a few miles of Rome, offers negotiations with the father and son, but they just go, no, make us. <laughs> Baffled. Even more furious than he was before. And also, I'd say, enraged at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Miffed. mivered, A little bit peeved. Peeved. Seething. All of all the adjectives. Yeah. He heads back to Rome, but he can't quite help but take his rage out on the Italians as he passes. <laughs> he burns and he pillages as he goes, sacking the central country of his own empire.
1: Glarus <sighs> did that. That's what he did. What an idiot. What Whoa. an absolute idiot. What an idiot. That's like hurting yourself. Yep. It's like you've annoyed me so I'm going to punch myself in the face.
2: Which you need to stop doing. I know. <laughs> so Galerius gets back home and this is when shortly after none other than Maximian himself turns up, knocking on the door. Hello! <laughs> is that is
1: his voice. Yeah. Um. I must imagine like he's Scottish as well. Oh, I can't do a Scottish accent.
2: Oh. And a kind of like guy from 300, kind of Spartan accent. Yeah. Yeah. Thus
1: is Maximian!
2: Yeah, a bit like that. Okay,
0: me new.
1: <laughs> I'm allowed to be offensive to Scottish because my family's
2: Scottish. Okay, so I can. Yeah. You, you can tell from your accent. Yes, of yeah. course. Of course. Jamie yeah. Muck That's what they call you. Mm. Behind your back. Yeah, apparently Maximian and his son had had a falling out, which is a shame. <laughs> Maximian had nowhere else to go but his enemy, Galerius. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> I'm really sorry about just defeating you in that war, but uh, can I come in? <laughs> yeah. So, then the meeting happened. Galerius, Maximian, and Diocletian. This is where it's decided that Constantine the Great would be bumped back down to Caesar, yeah. and all those other things. One of Galerius's military colleagues would then become Augustus. This is Licinius. Maxentius, it was decided would be a usurper Galerius and Maximinus Dyer Then spend a couple of years Pushing the Christian persecution There's no one there to say stop now So they really go hard at it However, for some reason They don't ever convince enough people That victory was just a few more (laughs) dead Christians away (laughs) If we just kill another two cities I'm sure it will be fine Yeah I mean, look at the massive pile of dead Christians you have already yeah. We're almost there. In 310, Galerius suddenly feels ill. <coughs> in 311, he issues his final Christian edict. This is the one where he gives up and says, fine, Christianity can be a religion. Perhaps I was wrong all along.
1: And this is one of the reasons, I think, we certainly argued this, why we gave him Genesis up, because he, he pretty much legalised... Well, yeah, I mean, that's interesting in the itself. a religion, it? isn't it, really?
2: I mean, there's lots of reasons why he's an interesting person. He's a nasty, horrible person, <laughs> Yeah. but he was interesting. He did some good things for the Empire. Yeah. He did some awful things for the Empire. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. But one of the main reasons we gave it to him, we glossed over, mm. was, of course, his death. Mm. Because when I say he got ill, oh, oh, yes, he got ill. This made LJ sick. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, I'm not going to do the full quotes. It's right. He was it,
1: written by a Christian historian, wasn't it? Yes. Just over the top and...
2: <laughs> Absolutely yeah. reveling in the detail. <laughs> yes. And the purse, ooh, is from his pupils. <laughs> yeah. I've only... I've just selected my favourite paragraph from about the page of quoting we had before. And I will quote here. Worms were generated in his body. The stench was so foul as to pervade not only the palace... But even the whole city. And no wonder, for by that time the passages from his bladder and bowels, having been devoured by the worms, became oh. indiscriminate. Oh. And his body with intolerable anguish was dissolved into one mass of corruption. Oh.
1: Dun dun dun. Da, 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 da. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So yeah, that's how he died. Nice. Which really did help swing the genesis out, I think. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. So, one sentence summary for him. He married into a royal family. He defeated Rome's enemies. He defended its borders. And then he sets up a hideous persecution. Kills countless innocent people to no end whatsoever. Gives up on the persecution. And then dies horribly. Horribly, horribly. So that's it. Size of worms worms nice yes he scored 16 for fatius maximus 14 for proprium Crazium, a mere 2 for successus ultimus Imajo Facius 0.5 mm. and he's reigned for 18 years giving him a 2.25 for tempo completo he scored 34.75 putting him 21st overall okay. in terms of interestingness mm. so that's that's him can he go through we'll <clears> find <throat> out Mm. Constantius, Born as Flavius Constantius in 360 to 370, sort of. <laughs> we don't know. He joined the army at some point and he rose through the ranks. <laughs> he fought under Theodosius. He worked for Stilicho. Stilicho! Yes, but not at a high level capacity. None of the sources at this point mention him, but we figure he must have worked for Stilicho. It's the only thing that makes sense. Stilicho dies. Honorius is then in charge, and all the stuff with Alaric and the sack of Rome happens. Constantius then looks at the list of problems. He's now the highest official in Rome. Honorius isn't doing anything. Constantius knows that it's up to him. So he looks at this list of problems, and if you remember, the West at this time is in utter pieces.
1: There's barbarians coming in, bits are going
2: away, Spain's falling apart. Yeah, it's a complete mess. The Goths are under a tuff. The barbarian, the huge big one, has just <laughs> come across the Rhine. Great barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> it's <just> stomping around. <laughs> what, names? I don't know what a big barbarian would be called. Brian. Brian. Names of Brian. The big barbarian. Yeah. He's stomping around Gaul. Whoa. So you've got to deal with him. Constantine III has usurped in Britain. Oh. Yeah. Gerontius has usurped and Jovinus has usurped. So there's three usurpations going on, the Goths, and all the barbarians. Things were a mess. Constantius decides that having a usurper is the worst crime, here, so decides to take care of Constantine III first. He heads up, he reaches Constantine's headquarters in Arles. But, much to his surprise, when he reaches Arles, he finds that Gerontius had already sieged the city, and was starving Constantine III out. Mm -hmm. So, Constantius decides it makes sense to take out two birds with one stone, he quickly takes out Gerontius, and then defeats Constantine III's reinforcements. He is then free to starve Constantine III out, capturing him, <clears throat> and then bishoped him.
1: Ooh, that's painful.
2: Oh no, sorry, I'm, I'm misremembering there. Constantine III bishoped himself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that sounds like a fun sassy, I <laughs> yes. Yeah, if you remember, he, he just went and became a bishop. Yeah. But I, I'm not emperor, I'm a bishop, honestly, honestly. not kill me. Yes, this is when Constantius sends him to Ravenna. Oh Yes. Which is code for... Tragically cutting your head off while putting up your tent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's two usurpers down. Gerontius and Constantine III. So next on the list for Constantius is the third usurper, Jovinus. Constantius decides that... Politically allying himself with the Goths at this point would deprive Jovinus of the supports he needs, so he does that. this works perfectly. Jovinus's usurpation comes to nothing. Three yeah. usurpations down. Then word comes through that Africa's revolting, and... <laughs> That's just so judgmental. <laughs> I know. They had invaded Italy. So Constantius, who was busy at the time, sends a general down to deal with this, and they do so nice and simply. Yeah. So, 413 at this point. Constantius III has put down four uprisings. Doing well. That massive invasion's still going on, however... And is now fully spread into Spain. But the civil war is now finished. Constantius won that. He has a unified Western Empire to take on the invasion. Hmm. So he gives a pay rise to the troops at this point to make sure their loyalty doesn't go wandering. (laughs) And then starts thinking about what to do next. But at this point, word comes from Atulf; He wants more from this allegiance. Perhaps even to marry Gala who they had kidnapped. Constantius III, having none of this, so he marches into Gaul. Short on details, but some skirmishes take place with no obvious winner. Atulf then marries Gael of And they have a son named Theodosius. The half-Gothic, half-Roman future king-slash-emperor who can unite these two groups, put them together, fight the Vandals and the Huns, and Rome continued forevermore. Or... Or... He died shortly afterwards, Okay. which was a shame.
1: Yeah. ah, oh, <laughs> really
2: damn <false>. it. <laughs> but he's not dead just yet. He's been born, and this is big news, because Honorius has no children, displays no interest in having children. He's got his chicken. Why does he need children? Right. Remember his chicken called Roma? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, instead of Roma's fallen, he's like, Oh No! Yeah, so he's happy with his chicken. Constantius III and Honorius are not happy here. They see this birth as an attempt to take the throne, so Constantius makes plans. He knows that he cannot take the Goths by force. They've been fighting for a while. There's no clear winner, so he outmaneuvers Ataulf. Dance off, dance off. What type of dancing? Disco, disco. I can see Ataulf doing disco. Very,
1: very stony face while doing it.
2: Oh, you've got to take it seriously. Oh yeah, yeah. No yeah. really smiling rubbish. No. Within a year, the Goths, <laughs> a year of dancing, the Goths were forced out of Gaul and into Spain. Shortly after this, some terrible news, and this is where Theodosius dies. Aww. Poor little Theodosius. All the hopes of the future are as dead as him. How did he die? Natural causes, as far as we're aware. Children died a lot back then. Mm. Yeah. Not something ironic.
1: I don't think so. Like he so. was he was trying to sellotape two parts of a map together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and slipped. And a pot of glue. Sellotaped his mouth closed so he couldn't breathe. Oh, and over his nose, yeah. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? That's why you shouldn't give sellotape to children. No. No. Constantius hears this news, but does not relieve the pressure. Atulf soon finds himself with fewer supporters, and it does not take long before he was killed in a coup. If you remember, his horse handler named (laughs) Jubius killed him. (laughs) After this... The Gothic usurper was in turn killed. And this is the opportunity Constantius III is waiting for. He lets Walia, that's Rickemer's grandfather, if you oh, remember. Oh, Yes. I didn't remember, but oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little fact for you. Yeah, Rickimer's grandfather now is king of the Goths. Grandson? No, no, no. Oh, grandfather, yeah. We're yeah, 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 we're yeah, 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 we're further back. We're jumping through time like crazy. <gasps> yes. So, Walia, Rickimer's grandfather, is in charge of the Goths, and Constantius lets him know that they will provide food for the Goths if Gala Placidia is returned. While he agrees to this, they give up their prize hostage. In return, they don't starve, which mm. is quite nice. The Goths are now subdued, so Constantius realises that it's finally time to deal with this mass invasion of Vandals, Alan, Swaby, and others. The Roman deal with the Goths are kept up, and in return for food, the Goths start fighting for the Romans to take Spain back. Bank. Now, currently, at this time in Spain, there were two groups of vandals, the Alans and the Suebi. The Alans were the most dangerous and largest group, and they were defeated so soundly that they never recovered, and those few that did remain joined one of the vandal groups. Right. The larger of the two vandal groups were wiped out to a man. Oh. So all that's left are the weaker Suebi and the weaker vandal group. However, this weaker vandal group did have a young man in it. Named Gesseric. <gasps> yes. So this was their chance to get rid of him before he got back. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't. But that's they thought oh, I'll be fine. I'll be no bother. That's no the smaller that. Vandal group. Yeah. I'm sure this will not come back to bite us at all. <laughs> Within two years, Spain is in much better shape. It was completely overrun. Now it's just slightly overrun. That's better. That's
1: better. So like when you got a leak in your kitchen and you're like you it's like it's pouring out I think, oh no this is the worst thing ever then you do, then you do most of it it's just a few drips and okay just put a plate underneath you sort it
2: that will do yeah. Yeah. at some point you'll deal with that drip Yeah, but it's not urgent anymore yeah. every now and again tip the excess yeah. water off and then... I mean, before the cat was in danger of drowning yeah. now you don't need to put water out for it every day Yeah, yeah, so it's fine. Every cloud. It's around this time that Constantius III decides to deal with the Goths. Yes, the Goths are working for them, but (laughs) the situation couldn't continue. Wouldn't it be better if that problem just went away? Things don't just go away. (laughs) Well, Constantius decides that it would be best to just give the Goths what they want. So he settles them in Western Gaul. (gasps) If he settles them there, then they can keep an eye on Spain and keep that area safe. They could just become part of the empire. Yeah. They've got some land of their own. So it's on this relatively solid footing that he receives the title of patrician. Not only that, he's made consul again in 417, and then he is married to Gala Placidia.
1: Oh. I bet she was thrilled
2: about that. Oh, yeah, apparently she was not happy at all. <laughs> but they do have a child, a girl, and then they have a second child, a boy, named Valentinian three. I always <laughs> forget that the useless Valentinian <clears> three. <throat> Was Constantius III's son. That's a bit sad. What isn't it? a disappointment. I'm sure that's what he said to
1: me every day. <laughs> that's that's why he ended up like he did. He just didn't keep yeah, himself in the end.
0: Probably.
1: just didn't try. Yeah. There's no point. I'm
2: So now he is father of the heir, consul for the <clears throat> third time, and patrician. He's got full political control, so he decides to do the only sensible thing and promotes himself to co emperor of the West. In 420, he becomes emperor. Then he dies.
1: Oh. See, I I remember this being slightly controversial because he did all that before he was really. You know,
2: but yeah, but he also did that when he was in charge. Uh, he was, he was an emperor. Yeah, but he was clearly emperor. He just wasn't emperor. Yeah, but yeah, but he wasn't emperor. But he was emperor though, yeah. wasn't he? But he wasn't. But he was. No, he was. He was though. He was. This is probably the conversation he and Honorius <laughs> had. Yeah. But but, yeah. but I am though. Yeah. I no no, but I am no. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Points for him. From the start of his reign, if you want to call it that, to the <laughs> end, he turned the West around completely. Yeah, he did If you well. did more of a turnaround than him, I can only really think of Aurelian and Diocletian, who started off in such a poor place and ended in such a good one.
1: I wouldn't call it a good place, but it's much, much, much better than it was. Yeah,
2: I mean, it was... Where it was when he took over is where it was right at the end. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Whereas he managed to pick it back up again. It didn't it's last. New golden. Oh, I'm dead. It didn't, didn't last <laughs> much longer than him, but he did manage to pick the West up from its crumpled form that it was. The, the fact that he didn't, as soon as
1: he died, it went back down again. It also proves how good he was. Yeah. Because without him, it fell apart. Like Diocletian. Yeah,
2: I think so. Hmm. He's by far the most interesting emperor of the Theodosian dynasty, bar Theodosian himself. Yeah. All the others were useless. One sentence summary. He stepped up when the West was a mess. He put down five usurpations using politics and battles. He destroyed most of the external enemies of Rome, and he settled the Goths. It's it's good stuff. Yeah. It really is. Fightius Maximus, 17. Improbium Crazium, 1. Successus Ultimus, 15. Imagio Facius, 1. A mere 0.08 for Tempo Completo. <laughs> but a total of 34.08, ranking him 22nd.
1: I think that's well deserved. I think so. I'm happy with that.
2: Oh yeah, Majorian, Born in around 420 as Flavius Julius Valerius Majorianus. Yes, Majorianus. Big bottomed. Yes. He was born to a rich family who was prominent in politics. Valentinian III was apparently thinking of marrying Placidia to Majorian. Mm. Aetius scuppered the plan and arranges that his son marries a princess instead. So Majorian is thrown out of the army and banished to his estates because he was so damn good looking. Oh. oh, yeah. Or at least so we theorise. There is actually nothing in the sources to corroborate this. Why. But it is definitely the reason he's why. He's a fox. I mean, if, if you've stopped the wedding from happening, mm. why do you need to banish him to his estates? Unless he's just too tempting. Well, of course. Of course, yeah. All the women are fucking after him. Yeah, definitely. So Majorian spends the next four years living a quiet life in his villa. Well, Quiet. Apart Licking from the, his hair. the banging of the
1: bedposts. <laughs> it's all the exercising. Yeah, yeah. All the critches he does in the morning.
2: <laughs> those abs don't make themselves. <laughs> that, <Exactly> don't. <No. laughs> anyway, then news arrives. Valentinian has hacked the face of Aetius off in a meeting. <laughs> nice. Hadn't gone well. Valentinian wanted Majorian to come and calm the troops, especially those loyal to Aetius. Yeah. Then Valentinian's killed by Petronius. Mm. And then Petronius is killed and Gesseric sacks Rome. Mm. Avetus takes over. By this time, if not before, Majorian and his old friend Ricimer have started to work together. Ooh. The two work for Avetus for a while and then they usurp. They bishop Avetus and then kill him. Bishop <laughs> still sounds really rude. They decide to send a note to Marcion, who's still the emperor in the east. However, timing could not be worse because this is 457 exactly when Marcian dies. So Leo takes over in the East, and we've not done an episode on yet. No. No, but we will. Yeah. He takes over, sends him a lettuce, and says, Just do nothing for now. We'll sort that out a bit. I'm a bit busy taking over. This is not ideal, but other things are on Majorian and Ricimer's minds, because the Vandals have started up their raids. This is back when they were raiding every other week. Yep. Also, a group of Alamanni had crossed the Alps and were pushing into Italy. Ricimer takes on the Vandals in the south, Majorian takes on the Alamanni up north. It doesn't take long. The invading force was only about a thousand men, and he quickly puts the invasion down. Nice. The victory was enough for the troops to declare him emperor. Majorian, aware of the political situation, said, of course I'll be emperor. Only if Leo says I can be so. Oh, good sucking up there. So messengers were sent off, and sure enough, Leo decides, yeah, why not? I can't think of a better idea. So damn sexy. Yeah, why fight her? It's like trying to (laughs) fight the urges. So Majorian becomes emperor at the age of 37. He then raises as much money as possible and hires a mercenary army from the Danube. Which, if you remember, the quote was just full of a million different groups of yeah, barbarians, yeah, yeah. apparently. And then he orders his navy be built. Yeah, Oh, yeah. yeah. he's got a lovely navy. Once that's underway, he approaches Marcellinus. Remember Marcellinus? Is, yes. Uh, refusing yeah. to be in the Empire at this point because he hates Petronius. Yeah. The two men come to an agreement, and Dalmatia is brought back into the fold, which Yay. is good. Not only that, Marcellinus said, I'll send some troops and help out with the Vandal problem. Things are looking good. Political yeah. win for Majorian. To achieve all this, he promotes a man named Nepotianus, who is Nepos's father. Yes, going back to that, yeah. which uh, just smooths things over a bit. Meanwhile, in Gaul, events unseen were unfolding. Well, unseen to a Majorian, I'm guessing the people yeah. unfolding the events could see it. Yeah. Unless it was just lots of people bumping around in the dark. Oh, blindfold. Like yeah. a challenge. Maybe, maybe a bit like that. Okay, we can do
1: a plan, but we can't see what we're doing. Yeah. And when we're tortured, we have no idea.
2: Yeah. it's <laughs> clever. Yeah. It is. Aegidius, Majorian's general, was already in Gaul trying to keep a lid on tensions. He and Theoderic of the Goths had come to blows. After tensions rise, the Goths attack Narbonne hoping uh-huh. to catch the imperial forces off guard. Majorian then does two things. One, he recognises Avitus's appointments as being official, politically soothing things over in Gaul. Yeah. And the other thing he does is he sends Agideus in with the troops just to make sure those soothings stay nice and smooth. Yeah. By this point, Theoderic had retreated with the arrival of Igidius' troops. Now, Bone was brought under control. Ringleaders were punished, but the city and summon Gaul was slowly turned to Majorian, so he's getting Gaul back, which is good. Aegidius then returns to his HQ in Arles. As things were going well, he was quite surprised one morning to find Theoderic suddenly besieging the city. Turned out the Goths were not just going to roll over here, so Majorian heads up into Gaul. But there's a problem on the way when a group of Huns in his mercenary army break off and just loot and raid and pillage a couple of towns. Yay! If you remember, these Huns hideously accidentally die in their sleep. Yeah, yes. Peacefully, that night. Yeah, but, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Majorian then hears of the siege of Arles, so he splits off a portion of his troops, gives them to Nepos, and gives him orders to relieve his fellow general. They defeat the Goths, enough so that Majorian is able to force them into his army. He could now take on the Suebi. The joint forces of the Romans and the Goths were able to push the Suebi back into the top left of Spain. They weren't permanently defeated, but they were nicely tucked away.
1: Hmm.
2: So Majorian felt that Spain is under control enough that they can go and take on the very last problem facing the West. Giseric and the Vandals. Yeah. However, after getting ready on the eve of the African invasion, Majorian's fleet was destroyed in an ambush. Or by sabotage. Ooh. By those two really, really cool vandals. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were so cool. Throw the cigarette lashes oh, yes. away. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Said one of them. <laughs> what are the ones turns up Stop. and up? Stop doing the sound effects. That what really detracts doing? from the cool. Yeah. That's what happened. So... Majorian suddenly finds himself in Spain with an army capable of taking out Gesseric, but with no way of getting to him. So, after negotiating with Gesseric a bit, he heads back to Italy. A bit down. Yeah. A bit bummed out. Mm-hmm. So, he's quite pleased when he sees Rickmer waiting for him Yay. over the Alps. Oh, there's my good friend Rickmer. Oh, he's got a sword. <laughs> and I quote Rickmer's men seize Majorian, stripped him of his purple and his diadem, beat him, and cut off his head the a him, not the face not the face
1: <laughs> and the guy's just feeling really like they're crying isn't it these yeah. two beauty shouldn't kill this sort of beauty shouldn't live
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh beauty must die oh why oh why <laughs> very philosophical soldiers yeah yeah he is our last Genesys winner
1: oh really yes oh, okay.
2: no one got it after him one sentence summary he pulled the west back together he took out the Gothic fret. He subdued the Swaby, but could not take on the Vandals. And then he died, and he was damn good looking. We speculate. Even his head, even his severed head, had a wink. <laughs> <laughs> wink. That yeah. The gleam from his teeth was just stuck there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you see the constant ping. <laughs> It's a solid note. Someone comes away and chisels the gleam off and like sets it in a ring for their wife. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, he's dead his mm-hmm. Maximus, 12. a Probium Crazium, 2. successless Ultimus, 15. Image Facius, only 3.5 in reality, unfortunately. But we know it's 5. <laughs> oh, we know Deep it's... Deep down, it's 5. 6. It's, it broke six. the 6, well, yeah, yeah, it did. Tempo Completo, a mere 0.5. Total score, 33. Ranking him, 24th. Yeah, I think he's certainly deserving jenny anything, though. I think so, too. Um, but we've come to the end of discussing mm-hmm. our 4, and now we need to decide between Diocletian, Galerius, Constantius, and Majorian.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sort of
2: a bit stuck between two. Well, shall we say Diocletian's definitely through now? Yes. And shall we say Galerius is definitely not? Oh, is that one you're... Oh, that okay, that's, that's interesting. interesting. Okay, because I'm torn between Majorian and Constantius three. I, I want to kick Galerius out. I think he was a horrible individual. I think so, but he's interesting. He was interesting. He
1: started a religion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean not <laughs> not in a Jesus way. I think he he sort of legalized it and, and and changed the path of history because of that, which is which but has echoes of history unfolding yes. and sweeping over your face right now. <laughs> yes, they are. So I'm rubbing this crucifix along your ear.
2: Yeah, you need to stop that. It's a bit Sorry. weird. But. He may be interesting and that's why he got Cheney Cesar. But I'll be honest, I don't I'm not feeling it for the next rounds for him.
1: Okay, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. I, I'm willing to concede that.
2: Yeah.
1: There's one I'm definitely thinking no though. Who are you saying no to? Majorian. Oh, even with that that even with his even with his beauty. Chiseled chin. He'll just distract in the next round. That's a good point. He'll go right to the end and that's just not good.
2: No, well actually I agree because I think Constantius III should go through. I'm very I impressed agree. with him. He's not a very well-known emperor, but I think he did incredibly well. In the time he was in, yes. Absolutely. So is that Diocletian first, Constantius second? Yes. That means we have our first semi-final. Ooh, does it? Yes. That completes the semi-final draw. Do you want to know who's in it? Go on. In our first semi-final, we are going to have Caracalla, Valentinian, Augustus, and Constantius three. Ooh. That's going to be tricky. All of them are going to be tricky from now on. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get harder and harder. Yeah, it really is. It's just going to be tough. So that's the next semi-final. Next week, round five. No. Sorry. Round V. Yeah. We have Constantine the Great. Gallienus, son of Hatstand. Trajan. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And winner of the Year of the Four Emperors, Vespasian. It's a tough round next week. Oh. Yeah, so th- that, that's going to be tough. Although not as tough sure as be. the round of death, which is round six. Go on. Aurelian, Hadrian, Domitian and Commodus.
1: Oh, Domitian and Commodus together! Oh, <laughs> I
2: can't wait for that. Yeah, it's... Oh, that is such a tough round. Anyway, that's but that, that's two weeks away. That's not next week. Right, okay, well, we've made our decisions. We know who's gone through. Yeah.
1: Congratulations, Diocletian. Congratulations, Constantius three.
2: Yes, okay. Right, thank you very much to all our listeners who are still contributing to this podcast in their many ways, who are talking to us via Facebook and Twitter, mm. who are sharing the name of this podcast. Yeah, thank you. Who are joining our Senate. Yeah. Because they think that we give them a, a bit of entertainment and would like to show their appreciation. Yeah, and way. even for a, as little as a dollar a month, you'll get access
1: to our other...
2: Uh, our other podcast. Our Republican. Our Republican podcast. As in, not political... Our Republic, Roman Republic. That's what it's called, yes. The Roman Republic. (laughs) Roman Republic Totalis Rancium. That's what it's called. Yeah, Yeah, so have access to them. Um, I'm I'm still working my way through uh, Adrian Goldworthy's Antony and Cleopatra (laughs) book uh, in preparation for their episode. But in in the
1: meantime, watch um, Eight Days That Change Rome. They did the episode on Augustus and it did a little bit about. Anthony.
2: Yes, it yeah, very definitely check that. So out. I knew things. You did. I was. I, I was so things. impressed. I was. So you'll know things about Anthony and Cleopatra, yeah. won't you? Next week, this tonight it's yeah. the
1: Flavians. Oh, is Friday. it Friday? Yeah. Mm. Apparently, that there's a day in that that changed everything. That's episode seven, I think.
2: So. Was it the day that Vespasian decided to tax the toilets? More than likely. Oh. That's probably the day. Yeah. That I had to change history that day. That It did, yeah. It really did. And thank you to our new senators. Sorry, I forgot to note down your names this week uh, before leaving. So we'll thank actually. you properly next week. Yeah. But you know who you are, so thank you very much. And I think finally all we need to say then is these abs don't make themselves, you know. They
1: certainly do not. Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Good morning, Cyril, how are you? Not bad, Clowns, not bad. I mean, the, the, the wife's still gone. Oh, dear. Yes.
1: That's awfully she's, bad.
2: She's not coming back. She's made that quite clear. Oh, no, no. How are you feeling? Uh, well, no, not bad. Bit under the weather, to be honest. Oh, dear. I uh, see the doctor. I'll be fine. Uh, what what about you, Orchard? Oh, I've
1: I've, I've been diagnosed with a drinking problem. My family gave me an intervention Yeah. the week. Oh, I hate those. I know, I hate them. I hate them. It's, them. it's my fourth one. This week? Indeed, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. I, I keep having these weird blackouts.
2: Oh, they are the worst.
1: They are the worst. But the trouble is it's the rage that comes it. Oh, dear. Yes, it's frightfully bad. Just a intense restrained rage that just pours out. Your... Last week, I
2: awakened from it over the body of a, a poor man beaten half to death. Shocking to learn. that. Uh, do you think it's this job, is it?
1: Possibly, possibly, it's... but I'm not sure.
2: Uh, it might be. Oh, oh, oh dear, that's starting. Oh, okay, Let's get into position. Okay. Well, what are we doing this week? Um, I believe it's something called a, a fire. fire i imagine Inferno, something to do with fire. Oh, I'll pick it up as we go. Seriously, They're... pass the brandy, do be a good chap.
1: Oh, oh, I really can't.
2: Right. Oh, come on, old dog. One for old time's sake won't hurt. Um,
1: as long as you say so.
2: Bottoms up.
1: Okay, let's see if I remember tomorrow.
0: Hot damn, a welcome to Round this is round four of the Coliseum. Welcome. This is a great Saturday afternoon, and uh, we got a fantastic matchup line for you. It's mighty good to be here, child It's Danger Hickory, and what are we facing today? Today is a match of death. It's a match of disfigurement. It is an inferno match. An inferno match. That sounds entertaining. It's damn it, is what it is. What happens is. The outside of the Coliseum is engulfed in fire and flames. You see the tins of gasoline around the outside? I too two. They are poor, they are set alight. The competitors that get set alight with that fire lose. That is surely crazy. It was one hell of a risk assessment, that's for sure. Is that section of the crowd supposed to be on fire? Um.
1: Firefighters, section four, please. Firefighters, section four. Rows one to seven have ignited.
0: My God, that'll be sorted soon. But here come our entertainers. It's Diocletian. He's out first. Look at him walk out. He's got a beard. That's a trim beard. I'm impressed with. It's pretty good. And here's number two. Here's Galerius. <laughs> He is hilarious. Oh, my God, and he's frowning at the Christian section of the audience. That's for damn sure. They are booing. They're not happy with him at all. They are showing their picketing skills. That's for damn sure. And who we got next, chat? Oh, it's Constantius III. Check him walking out here. He is strutting his stuff. He is walking like a mofo. He's walking like my prized donkey, upright and stern. Take no prisoners alive. That's for damn sure. And here comes the nip. Ne- Whoa, what the hell is going on now? What? What's this feeling, Chad? I don't know, but I'm, I'm feeling it too. It's a crazy little feeling. I'll tell you what, I won't be able to stand up after this for quite a while. It's Majorian. Oh, look at those abs. The fact you can see him through his quite billowing t shirt is pretty impressive. The chiseled chin, the flowing
2: locks. That's a steely glare. And the ping on his teeth. I'm mightily impressed. I feel funny inside. And
0: I'm hard pushed to think of a better way to describe such a, an amazing man. And here they go. Sorry, the referee has rang the bell. I can mean, see Diocletian making the first move. He's picked up that steel chair already, and he's moving right towards Garris.
2: Well, they're all joining in straight away. This is not picking off one at a time. Oh. All of them fighting, swinging the chair, tight to tell who's whom. Oh, Diocletian's has
0: got his body arm. He's he's pulling down the ground. He's pulling down. They're all piling on top of each other. They really are. But oh my God, Centrist Three is just staring transfixing at the Jordan. I, I think he's getting lost in his eyes, like like I am.
2: It looks like he's blinded, blinded by the light of the shine of his teeth. He don't know what's going on.
0: No, oh, old where he's falling. Oh, the majority's such a cheap shot, right in the nuts. Ooh, it's got a hurt. That's gonna sting in the morning, that's for sure. They're certainly inflating. <laughs> and Diocletian's still on Galerius. He's not giving Galerius a chance to get up. He's dragging him by the hair. He's dragging him by the hair, right to the side, right to the fire. My God, can Clarissa love it fire? It's a fire. He's been ignited. Hilarious is on fire! Look at all the bits of him go! And what's that pouring out of his face? It's worms! Oh god, it's worms! Where do the worms it come from? This is hideous! they are call out of every hour of this! And now, Diocletian, what's he doing with his son? There's no need for this! What's he doing, Hickory? What's he doing? He's chopping him up! He's chopping him up into four roughly equal parts! Good god, why is he doing that? He's obsessed! Constantius Street finally settled after the nut nutshot and. Oh, he's got a majority in a headlock. He's got his beautiful face in a headlock. He's slowly walking towards the fire. No, he's dragging him. He's dragging him out of the hair. His luscious locks.
2: Look at them. Blowing, blowing in the breeze. The
0: flames slowly licking up. Reminds me of Alabama in the summer. When the fireflies just go over a barbecue. he's just want to have a nice
2: steak that's what's happening to his flesh right now, his beautiful, beautiful flesh. bubbling and boiling.
0: Oh, he's dead! He feels his matter right out, and he's no longer attractive at all. I no longer care for this man. Those goggles will come right out, that's for damn sure. So it looks like we got our winners, Chad. We have, it's Diocletian with the first winner, and Galerius. Well done to these two, and I must say, that was
2: damn entertaining.
0: That was a damn fine time. We thank you, listeners, for listening to this competition today, and we hope to see you next week for round V. Be there or don't be there. It's completely up to you. We live in a free country, that's for damn sure. Life and liberty, guys. Yeah! What What? what, what
2: happened? Don't worry, we got through it.
1: Good God. Can I smell burning flesh?
2: Was, was that me? No, not this time, don't worry. Oh thank you. No, much. it's just the contenders. Oh, I must say I actually rather enjoyed that one. Did you? Yes, oh. no. No, it's uh No they took me back to my youth. Uh, the uh oh. the little Itchington church fate of uh twenty three. Oh gosh. Yes. Quite similar. Yeah, bully. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Well, I'll uh, see you next week, I guess. Yes, I suppose so. Anyway, you may as well have this. I've uh, I've got a bottle of myself at home. Oh, oh. Um, I, I really don't think I should. Oh, come on, look, Jeff.
1: Oh, uh, okay.
2: <laughs> we should do all of our president episodes in a ridiculously posh accent. Hello,
1: and welcome, <laughs> American President of Carlos <laughs> We are your hosts this evening, Mr. Robert Boyle and Mr.
2: Jamie Alley. we the presidents of those Americas. Thank you for the Presidents from the colonies <laughs> <laughs>